Hi, I'm Gary, and this is episode 115 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles, and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be looking at an update on an episode we did last season where we talked about charging hubs. This season of the podcast is sponsored by Zapmap. Before we start, I wanted to wish everyone a happy new year. Lots of plans for this year, including some great guests for episode 120, the roundtable, and more about that maybe next week, maybe the week after. Our main topic of discussion today is charging hubs. Yep, we're revisiting hubs in a show I like to call the Hubdate episode. Back in episode 91, which was all the way at the end of last May, we looked at charging hubs and we concluded that there are a lot more out there than you thought there were. But since then, the number of electric vehicles on the road has started to increase quite considerably. In figures for December, one in four vehicles sold in the UK had a plug, which is absolutely phenomenal. There is a school of thought being propagated by certain people on social media, no names, but a former guest who works for a charge point operator, that we actually already have enough capacity in our charging network to deal with the increase in EVs on the road. His logic is that if every charge was used 24-7, we would have 1 billion kilowatt hours of capacity. As it is, we're using less than about 10% of that. Therefore, we have 90% unused capacity in the network. Uh, strictly from a data point of view, that's absolutely right, but it doesn't take into account peak time requirements for charging. Sure, there are loads of chargers sitting empty at 3 in the morning, but if everybody wants to charge at 6 in the evening, that's not going to be any use to anyone. In the meantime, we need to be aware that the infrastructure has to develop at a pace, and hubs are a key part of that. In the May show, we look particularly at companies such as Instavolt, who've decided that 2 is the absolute minimum number of chargers they're going to install at a site, and have also moved forward with several locations having 8 chargers each. Since then, the situation has, I'm glad to say, extended and changed quite rapidly. According to ZapMap, Instavolt now has 27 locations across the UK with 4 or more chargers, and 5 locations with 6 or more chargers. I don't think anybody could deny that they are the trailblazers in the UK when it comes to actually getting large volume charge sites into production across the country. So what's next for them? Well, CPOs are notoriously tight-lipped about announcing future location plans. However, Instavolt have published on social media that, quote, due to the complexity of our installation process, we don't share our pipeline until sites are available for public use. However, we can assure you that we're working hard to expand the network, deliver exciting new partnerships, and invest in even smarter technology, end quote. Well, that sounds like good news. Moving on to the electric forecourts. Gridserve have big plans for their electric forecourts. They intend to build a hundred of them across the country, and this was announced almost four years back. So far, they're live with a one of them in Braintree in Essex. In episode 91, we talked about the ones that are in the process of being built in Uckfield, Norwich East and Gatwick. A recent announcement from GridServe indicates that the Gatwick site is due to open in autumn 2022, so the best part of a year away. Norwich East is further advanced in its construction and should open in April 2022. No timelines on the other ones yet, although more site locations have been announced officially with electric forecourts being built in Gateshead, Plymouth and Bromborough. But what about GridServe at the motorway service areas? Well, one of the reasons GridServe may have dropped the ball slightly when it comes to their electric forecourt rollout is because they've focused their attention recently on motorway service areas. In the middle of 2021, they took over the electric highway charging network that Ecotricity used to, quote, run, unquote. 
With an aggressive timeline, they replaced all the old 50kW Ecotricity DBT chargers with brand new ABB 120kW units, the exception being the Welcome Brake Service Group, which we'll come to shortly. As part of this upgrade, they increased charger capacity wherever they could. In many places where there was just a single charger, there are now double chargers and additional AC units for our good friends with the Zoes. However, there is still some lack of clarity on whether the underlying high voltage supply to the sites has also been updated to match the new requirements though. But what the electric highway has also done is open one of the best charging hubs on the motorway network. We've talked about this on the last hub episode. It's at the rugby services on the M6 just north of the connection to the M1. It has 12 high power tritium chargers pushing out 350 kilowatts of charging power and it's also co-located next to 12 Tesla superchargers. At 30 pence a kilowatt hour, it's also extremely competitively priced. Plans have been announced, however, for the opening of some of the other electric highway hubs, which are similar to rugby. Work is underway on hubs at motorway service areas in Swansea, Heston West, Sevenview, Weatherby, Burton and Kendall, Exeter, Woolly Edge North and Southbound, Thurrock, Lee Delamere Westbound and Reading West. Later on this year should see the start of hubs in Reading East, Grantham North, Scotch Corner, Washington North and Southbound, Cornwall Services, Annandale, Magor, Roundhams North, Durham, Watford Gap North and Southbound, Northampton North and Southbound and Strensham North and Southbound. And each of these will have between 6 and 12 350 kilowatt ultra high power chargers. As mentioned earlier though, the welcome brake chain of motorway service areas has not had their charges upgraded. Once again, the CPOs are tight-lipped about why this is the case. It is rumoured that Welcome Break are going to go independent and add their own charges at their service areas. And this was somewhat confirmed by a planning application for one Welcome Break motorway service area, where the documents showed new charges being installed next to, quote, current suppliers units, end quote. Make of that what you will. In the meantime, Welcome Break has stuck with a chain of old, unreliable and slow DBT chargers from the Ecotricity era. What about MFG? When we first looked at hubs in episode 91, MFG were the new kid on the block. They had three locations, which were deemed to be hubs. And at the time of recording, January 2022, they have 17 locations with four or more units, 12 of which are within the M25. Their plans are proceeding apace, however. They've committed to having 40 sites live by the end of 2021 with 200 ultra high power chargers. They've missed this target, but I have a level of confidence that they'll keep pushing forward as quickly as they can. MFG are either adding these hubs to existing petrol stations or, as is the case in the location in Stretford, taking a disused petrol station currently acting as a car wash and replacing the petrol pumps with charge units. Their plans are impressive and so far they appear to be de delivering on what they promised, albeit a little slower than the original timeline. I'll put a link in the show notes to a video I took when visiting the newly opened MFG hub in Putney. In short, very impressive. One of our favourite charging companies is Osprey Charging, and when we chatted about them in the previous episode, they had very few sites with more than two charges anywhere. In fact, other than the hub at Stratford, the only location with more than two rapids is the Little in High Wickham, a site I used about six weeks ago as it happens, and that has three of their 50 kilowatt units. But again, that is about to change. They've recently opened a new hub in Wolverhampton, and what makes this hub so special is that it uses the state-of-the-art charging technology from ChemPower. The thing that sets ChemPower apart from other companies is the way in which it allocates power across the units. Traditional chargers have controllers in the chargers themselves that manage the charge at that unit. If you add more controllers to the unit, you can charge at a high power rating. 
50 kilowatts, 120 kilowatts, 350 kilowatts, etc. But if you have three of these units all using 350 kilowatts on a site, the power is restricted to the individual charge units. With ChemPower, the power is allocated at the site level, not the charger level. If you have four chargers on a site that can allocate one megawatt of power, then this will be split across the four chargers as each charger requires it. If only two units are being used, both chargers will get maximum power. If a third charger is brought online, the charge will allocate across the three of them. But when one card gets close to being full and the power it needs drops, the excess power is then split across the other units rather than lying unused in one charger. And what this means is that these units are far more useful than other systems when it comes to providing the maximum power for all cars at all times. It also means you can stick something slow like a Mazda MX-30 pulling 34 kilowatts average on one of these units and it won't affect how much power an Ionic 5 or a Porsche Taycan are getting on adjacent chargers. Osprey are looking to add 150 of these sites across the country. Each one will have up to 12 150 to 175 kilowatt chargers installed at each location. Other than the Wolverhampton site which is now live, other sites are under construction in Banbury on the M40, Suffolk on the A14, Essex on the A127, Glasgow on the M8, East Lothian on the A1, Birmingham on the M6, Croydon on the A23, Crewe on the A534 and Brackley on the A43. Ultimately, the plan is to have 150 hubs open within four years. Ian Johnson from Osprey Charging has agreed to come on the show next season to give us an update on these hubs and answer all your questions about charge point operators and what Osprey are doing to help EV uptake. One area we mentioned briefly in the May Hub episode was Oxford. They're one of the low emission cities that have been funded by OZEV, the Office of Zero Emission Vehicles. And they've decided that a lot of their OZEV grant is going to go into adding charging facilities at the park and ride locations they have. If you've never been to Oxford, uh, let me explain. Traffic in the centre of the city is restricted wherever possible to either public transport or bicycles. With a large student population, bicycles are obviously a big thing there. And in order to accommodate this, Oxford has built a large number of park and ride car parks near the outer edges of the city. You drop your car in there, jump on a regular cheap bus, and it drops you literally in the middle of the city. Keep a hold of your ticket, and you can jump on another bus to take you back to the park and ride car parks at the end of the day. Now, I've visited Oxford many times, usually for work, and I've stopped in at several of the park and ride locations. Without exception, they're all perfectly well suited for someone to add in a charging hub. And of course, with a park and ride facility, the idea is that you install destination charging rather than rapid charging. In theory, they're pretty much all day when you go, so you don't need a car sitting on a rapid charge for several hours while you work your way through the Radcliffe camera or the Bodleian Library. And that's what Oxford have done. Initially, in the Redbridge Park and Ride, plans have been approved to install several rows of 7 and 22 kilowatt chargers. These are destination chargers and are useful for anyone wanting to park up for quite a while and come back to a full car. But, and here's where the genius of this setup comes in, they've also added both Tesla superchargers and some high-powered rapid units at the same location. The reason this is genius is because, by definition, the park and ride locations are close to high traffic areas. They're generally around the ring road and near the A34 in Oxford. And what this means is that you can get to them with a relatively short detour from the main trunk roads. So they work really well as en-route rapid chargers. Heading from Southampton to Wolverhampton? Drop in at Redbridge as you pass by Oxford. There will initially be 10 Fastnet chargers with up to 300 kilowatts of power. As demand grows, Fastnet will add at least a further four. 
16 gamma energy chargers with between 7 and 22 kilowatts of power will be available alongside 12 250 kilowatt Tesla superchargers. The Oxford Superhub is one of 40 similar sites planned by a company called Pivot Power across the UK to help deliver infrastructure. Now I've deliberately not talked about the elephant in the room so far, BP Pulse. For all intents and purposes, they, they were the ones who pioneered the hub concept with the Milton Keynes Coachway 8-unit hub. Yes, there were other hubs before then, but they were the first in England to go for a single bespoke location with a large number of units. But since then, unfortunately, they've stalled somewhat. I don't have the exact figures with me, but anecdotally, there are several multi-unit hubs sitting at various motorway service areas ready to be switched on, but have not yet done so. The issue could be legal, with GridServe and Electric Highway having the monopoly at motorway service areas so far, or it could be power related. But there are definitely charges at Reading services and at least one other motorway service area which have been installed and not switched on. BP Pulse also announced the creation of several large hubs sometime in the middle of 2021, and the plans for them were to be rolled out last year and finished in 2030. So far, nothing appears to have happened with them. Finally, in this roundup, I want to talk about Shell Recharge. Yet, yeah, they're a fossil fuel company, much like BP Pulse. And there's a school of thought that believes they're evil and have a hidden agenda to stop EV uptake. And this may be true, but Shell Recharge are, quietly, also putting together quite an impressive network of high-powered chargers across the country. Included in that network is the country's first petrol station to EV charging hub conversion. It's in Fulham, London, and I visited it before Christmas. From being an eight-pump Shell petrol station, it was completely gutted, the tanks were removed, and a charging hub was built in its place. Coincidentally, I was actually the very first customer at that site in an electric vehicle, and I've got to say it was quite impressive. There were nine tritium 175 kilowatt chargers, contactless payment, on-site Costa and uh, Mini Waitrose, and I spoke with Shell management there, and they seemed keen to repeat this elsewhere around the country if it was successful. But it has to be stated that the conversion itself took well over two years, and they're charging 49 pence a kilowatt hour. Now, if you listen to episode 91 on charger pricing, you'll understand why this isn't as much of a problem as you might first think that it is. Elsewhere, Shell are expanding their Shell recharge locations, with many stations getting additional upgraded units. A regular stop of mine at Shell in St Albans has had four high-power chargers installed, although only the legacy 50 kilowatt charger is currently switched on, and there are other locations where the same thing has happened. And with four or more chargers at one location, I'm comfortable calling these sites mini-hubs. So there's ample evidence that charge point operators are moving away more and more from the idea of sticking one or two units in a pub or hotel car park and focusing more on creating charging hubs with numerous units. We've said all along on the podcast that this is the way to go because it reduces issues due to broken chargers as well as increasing confidence that you'll find a working available charger when you get there. But all is not 100% in the sunlit uplands of the charging hubs. With the sole exceptions of the electric forecourts from GridServe, and the new Shell Hub in Fulham, all of the hubs suffer from various poor design features. By that I mean, generally, they don't have canopies to protect the driver in bad weather, they don't have lighting for night time, although some are located in places which have ambient lighting for the general area. Many of them don't have their own facilities such as waiting areas and toilets. The majority of them are built next to other facilities such as coffee shops or fast food restaurants, and that's fine when these facilities are open, 
but they're not always open. And finally, as mentioned in episode 113, the charger hunting episode, a few of these hubs are actually well marked as EV charging points. The Fulham site has the traditional shell totem at the site, which displays a shell logo and the number of available chargers, which is an excellent idea. But very few, if any, of the other hubs have anything which helps drivers locate and identify them from the roadside. This needs to be looked into pretty quickly. The other problem is that power going to the sites is an issue. We talked earlier about the issues GridServe have had when they upgraded the old electric highway DBT units. Alongside the 300 units they replaced, they added another 130 units at various sites. The units then installed were 120 kilowatt units to replace the 50 kilowatt units. Anyone who can do simple arithmetic will understand that if you're replacing a single thing that needs 50 widgets with two or more things that need 120 widgets each, you better make sure your source of widgets can cope. Unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be the case. GridServe themselves have said that in many of the sites, power is limited to 60 kilowatts, which means that a site with three 350 kilowatt chargers, each capable of potentially charging two vehicles, is limited to 60 kilowatts per unit, half that much if shared. Not great, to be honest, but still probably better than the DBT units they replaced. Will GridServe sort this out? Well, over time, I'm sure they will. In the meantime, it's interesting to see how people will deal with the fact that they now have more chargers and a motorway service area, but they can't dual charge and they can't get the advertised power from the unit. So has the state of hubs moved on since last May when we first covered this topic? Well, in short, yes. There are far more hubs existing now and we haven't even looked at Scotland this time. And many, many others are on the way or planned. Initiatives like the ChemPower charger rollout from Osprey, the MSA hub installs by GridServe, and the multi-unit hubs from Instavolt are serving to increase the number of chargers out there as well as to lessen the charger anxiety that a lot of EV owners can get. There are still things that need to be done to improve these things. Better disable facilities for one. But this is a minor consideration when you look at the number of hubs installed and in progress at the moment. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with your listeners. Many listeners will be aware of Ken Block. He's an ex-rally driver who made a name for himself by specialising in car manoeuvre displays that often seem to be defying the laws of gravity. He had a contract with Ford Motor Company and over a period of 11 years, he produced a series of videos showing him doing spectacular driving stunts with a Ford Focus rally car. They were called the Jim Carter videos and using the branding of Hoonigan involved things like high-speed drifts around cityscapes such as San Francisco, Las Vegas and around the Universal Studios. At the start of 2021, he terminated his contract with Ford and signed with Audi in September, and they've spent the last few months developing a new car for him to hoon around in. And it's electric. It's based on the Audi RS e-tron GT, and it's called the S1 e-tron Quattro Hoonitron. So, you know, just trips off the tongue. And it's spectacular, and it will be soon used in another of your Gymkhana videos called the Electricana. No official specs for it yet, but Ken's quoted as saying, Spinning into a donut at 150 kilometers an hour directly from standstill just using my right foot is an all new experience for me. And you know EVs are gaining popularity when die hard petrol heads like Ken Block ditch ice cars and go electric. So stay tuned for more about the resulting video. The EV Musings podcast is sponsored by ZapMap. ZapMap is the go to app for EV drivers in the UK. Use it to search for available chargers, plan electric journeys, 
pay for charging on participating networks and share updates with other EV drivers. ZapMap is free to download and use with subscription plans for enhanced features such as using ZapMap in car, on CarPlay or Android Auto. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at MusingTV. If you want to support the podcast and newsletter, and why don't you, please consider contributing to becoming an EV Musings patron. There's a link in show notes. If you don't want to sign up for something on a monthly basis, why not buy me a coffee? Go to ko-fi.com slash evmusings. That's coffee.com slash evmusings. And you can do just that. It also takes that fantastic Apple Pay too. If you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Got Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Please check it out. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines. If you've reached this part of the podcast and are still listening, thank you. Why not let me know you've got to this point by tweeting me at MusingTV with the words hubba hubba, hashtag if you know you know, nothing else. Thanks as always to my co-founder Simon. Happy New Year to you, Simon. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.